This is the Ed Milet Show. Compete, lead, and win. Hi, welcome back to Max Out with Ed Milet. And today I'm excited because we're bringing you a power couple edition. <laughs> and these two people right here are the definition of a power couple. So yeah. let me introduce them. Most of you know who they are, but this is Edwin Ariave and Teddy Mellencamp. And so you probably recognize both of them from the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills but you're gonna recognize them from their success in business and from accountability coaching and a whole bunch of other things by the time we're done today because these aren't just pretty faces <laughs> and these aren't just really well-known people, but these are people of faith, they're people of family, they're people of substance, and they're successful people in business as well. And they've helped other people become successful in business and that's why I've sought them out to be on the program today, so. Well, thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Really great to have you. So I wanna start out because I always think People see celebrities, they see people that are well known, and they see the after product all the time, right? I want them to see the before product and then the keys in getting you to the after is sort of the way that I look at the program, right? I bring people that have sort of maxed out life, and then we talk about how great it is to max it out and what they did to get there. So, in both your cases, it's interesting. First, even for me knowing the story, how the two of you met is <laughs> like. You know what I mean? It's not the, it's not the, the, the sweetest. It's not the fairy tale that you uh, sometimes think. <laughs> it isn't. So tell the audience how this power couple came to be. Because here's why I asked the question, too. I want to tell you why. I have this theory that most of our dreams in our life, the great things that happen, they don't show up the way we would picture them to. Nope. They don't show up in the, they don't even look the way we would think sometimes. <laughs> and they certainly don't always show up in the sequence or order or the perfect way we visualize it. Of course. They don't show up necessarily that way. And I don't think you both dreamed getting together necessarily the way that you did. So one of the two of you or both of you, how, tell everybody how you met. Well, first of all, I had a friend that came down from Vegas and it was December 26th and he wanted to go out. And I'm like, who goes out the day of Christmas? Yeah. The last ah. thing I thought was that I was going to meet the girl of my dreams that day. <laughs> and uh, so anyways, we go out to this club and as you can expect, it was a slow night. Yeah. You know who, I mean, who goes out. So at 12 o'clock, we decided to go home. And as I'm leaving the club, I see this beautiful blonde coming in who doesn't pay any attention to me. Sure. And then, of course, I did a complete 180 yep. and went to uh, chase her down, and I'll let her tell the, what happened after. Well, none of that I actually remember. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was awesome. with my girlfriends at um, a restaurant next door, and we were just kind of like having champagne. I mean, I was pretty much in pajamas. That's the level I was in. You know, it was not, they kind of drugged me out. They're like, oh, you just got a divorce. Yeah. Let's go have some fun. I wasn't very much fun. I was like, okay, wow. whatever. I was more fun after a couple of drinks. drinks. We get into the club, even though I'm in pajamas because I'm with twins, and twins yeah. always get in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And uh, so I, I, I kind of remember meeting oh Edward. Oh, my gosh. Edward. Edward. You were calling him Edward, She right? called me Edward in the morning, <laughs> and she basically was kicking me out of the house. Okay, so we, they need to know you end up together in the morning so they can kind of visualize yes. that other part of the night. So, yeah, yeah right. something happened. It was before right. Ubers. We took a taxi. <laughs> Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we're godly people. I know. <laughs> so they're really like good Christian people, just um, so you know. But then, uh, <laughs> yeah, then my alarm went off at 5.50 in the morning to go yeah. to work. And I was like, I worked at a barn. So I was like putting my riding clothes on. And I'm like, hey, Edward. And then panic came because I saw the ponytail. Oh, they had long hair. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was covering it that yeah. night. Yeah. And she saw it in the morning. And of course, she's like, uh, I don't think we hooked up because I'm not into guys with long hair. I only date guys with blue eyes, so you're not my type. So then what I told her was, well, it's funny you say that because the whole night you were coming to me. <laughs> and of course she didn't remember. And it wasn't until six months later that oh her friends the twins. met me. And they're like, oh my God, you're with the stalker from that night. <laughs> Come on, are you serious? Yeah. yeah. Oh, True stories. Yeah. Come on, man. That's yeah. awesome. And didn't you, like, you were already a closer then, though, right? Like, because a lot of the theme here today is going to be about closing and closing selling. Deals, yeah. And so didn't she kind of want to get Edward, which is really Edwin, out of the house that morning? And you're like, hey, I'll take you to work or something. Didn't you say something? I somehow convinced her to uh, lend me her car and drive her home and then... No, drive me to work. Drive you to work, yeah. yeah. And then uh, and then you... And then pick you up, right? And take yeah, you Yeah, he was like, well, how about this? You know, I... 
you know, it's such a pain to get a taxi to where I live and blah, blah, blah. How about I just drive you to work? So we go pick up my coworker. But it was his best move because he was making, he was able to take my like constant criticism and making fun of him. And he was like laughing at himself because the way he looked, you would have thought this guy can't take a joke. Yeah, right. He takes himself very, very seriously. seriously. Yeah. But then he was just. I had just, like a flowery sweater, I think. Yeah, he had like on. leather pants. I did not have leather pants. <laughs> In 1999, was, I did wear leather pants, but not, 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 it was not a, it was seven a, it years was ago. A, it was a look. Yeah, it was a look. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it was a look. And and that, that's and, amazing. And yeah. so, like, literally, so what, this is so important, because all these things are going to show up different in your life. Like, one of the more featured couples, not that many couples featured on television, period. If you really think about it, so there's, mm -hmm. there's like, sitcoms, but, like, when you go real couples in the United States, what are there, like, 40, 50? Right. Yeah. And so... One of the 40 or 50 most featured couples on television today met this way, yeah. and then from there, like two and a half years later, you're married, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they and the, the the story of your wedding is even a little bit unique too. Like you didn't just do a normal wedding. Just at least share with them a couple minutes on that. Yeah. Like, you know, I always thought if I ever got married, it was probably going to be last minute. I didn't yeah. want a big wedding. Yeah. And uh, we just we were engaged, but we didn't have a date. Mm. And then of course Teddy would always say to me. We need a date because everybody keeps asking me about a date and I feel pretty stupid about not having a date. And then uh, we had this opportunity. Her dad was touring all over uh, Europe mm -hmm. and she says, we should just get married in Europe. And I'm like, that actually sounds pretty good. That is cool. And uh, I figured I'd fly down my family. So I flew down my brother, my siblings, uh, my mom. Uh, my dad couldn't show up, unfortunately. And uh, we ended up getting married and she, she uh, brought down her family. Pretty cool. And it was, it was Not cool. everybody gets married in Paris, dude. Yeah, I mean, that's that was, pretty No, unique. it was great. Was I mean, you amazing. can see the Eiffel Tower in the background. Oh and then we, for our honeymoon, we just traveled around Europe. With your dad. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. So let's do that. Let's. This is weaving perfectly, actually, <laughs> as we're doing this. So yeah. unusual meeting. Let's just chalk that up, right? Mm -hmm. the, dream, the dream spouse, the dream person did not but show up exactly. But that's why we say it doesn't matter what you do or you say to the person that you're with, if you really like each other, yeah. it's gonna work out. No games, nothing you're gonna do to manipulate the situation. Mm. They don't care. Yeah. If they like you, they like you. That's so true. If not, they're yeah. just not that into you. That's so true. I think that's, by the way, true in like every single thing in life, too. Yeah. So we're talking dads, and I think, I think your story's so compelling because yeah. they both become so successful in their own right. And I think the story of both of your upbringings to meet the two of you yeah, is unique too. Because so we just said, let's talk about both your dads, for example. So just for a second, those of you that don't know, they said they were following Teddy's dad. Teddy's dad's John Mellencamp, and so, you, but your upbringing wasn't perfect either. Your dad's is very well known, obviously famous guy. But tell them a little bit about your upbringing because the thing I want to hone in on it's not even so much your dad, but that's part of the story. But it's that you had dysfunction in your family. There was a divorce when you were young. You had to come back from that. And then you really focused into the horse stuff, too. So tell them a little bit about that and your upbringing. So when I was born in Indiana, and my parents were married in Indiana, and then around the second or third grade, they, they split up. And most people I know that come are a product of divorced parents, they have all these stories from the divorce. I really don't because mm -hmm. the second that we moved to South Carolina that I remember, I remember this one moment like my mom packing and listening to Tracy Chapman. But other than that, that's really my only memory wow. of any sort of end of mm -hmm. our family mm -hmm. being together. Um, but the second we got to South Carolina, everything that I cared about was involving horses. I started riding nonstop. I'd go to the barn all the time. I started competing. I started traveling. I lived with my coaches. I'd wake up at five in the morning and ride the horses before in the morning. Then I'd ride all day. I'd go to these tutors. Like it was my whole life. Wow. And you got really good though. Right? Wow. Like, so, so, no, hold on. Like don't, don't I mean, <laughs> yeah. well, did you or didn't you? Right? Well, my, by my last year, I was world champion hunter rider and then I won I, I won some you can really. Tell them. Tell I, them. I won yeah. some big classes, and the crazy thing—you would think at that point I'd be like, "Okay, now right. next level." Yeah. But I was a hundred percent burned out. What do you think burned you out? I think it was—I didn't have any balance. Okay. It was—I woke up every single day and lived and breathed only that. Okay. And then there was a moment that if I didn't win, I didn't have a good day. Uh. Okay. So and all of your identity, all your success was tied up in the achievement piece only. Oh, it had gotten to that point. Huh. That's and I felt really good. Mm. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to just end on that note. Mm. 
and I'll come back to it if it's meant to be. But you obviously learned, and you did end up coming back, which we'll talk about too, but like you learned a ton of lessons that serve you now from uh, that, right? Huge. I mean, I, I mean, I'm so disciplined. I'm yeah. very organized because I was taking care of myself, you know, like I mm. had to organize the rental car and get myself to the show and, you know, mm. kind of figure it out. I'm picturing you doing that as a little girl and like, I, I, you know, you're being humble about it, but like the discipline to do as a yep. young girl to get to that level nationally at something is, it's even something, I always have guests on, I always, really successful people are even unaware of things they do great sometimes, yep. even when they were little kids, like that's not normal. Like right. lots of little girls were riding horses, lots of little girls went through divorces in their family, you were the one who ended up on this national level, right? So there's all these lessons. We well, became what, obsessed, right? Well, I, I, I always say that riding horses is what saved me because I could have been really wild. I was mm. already kind of wild doing yeah. that. Yeah. And But I still cared more about how I would ride the next day wow. than to go out and party too hard or do something too bad mm. because I knew the next day I would have to get up at 5 a.m. Mm. and I had to deliver. And wow. if I didn't, as a little girl. I, I just knew from the beginning. I mean, I would choose going to a horse show over going to prom. Wow. Like those, it just, there was a non-negotiable for me. And that's going to lead to what, one of the things Teddy does, that we're going to talk about in a minute, but I just want to weave the story, mm -hmm. is that she's an accountability coach. And I think, one of the things I always say this, I don't like to go to a gym. If I'm going to go to a gym, I don't have a trainer, they better be fit. Yeah. If I want to be coached by a business person, they better have been successful, right? Like, what? I don't so, understand unfit trainers. Like, I, you should be the product. And so... Your life, your story of you know achieving when you were young, then kind of going through this transitional period, and now putting yourself on the map again on TV. It's like there's a track record you have of setting goals and making them happen. That's what would make you a good accountability Thank coach you. because you have a track record, right? So we're going to talk about that in a minute. Yeah. So well, you got the rock star dad <laughs> divorce, like John Mellencamp. Everybody knows him. Old Edwin over here. <laughs> Who's going to be your dream man? You're going to meet at the club someday. Isn't well, this amazing? His story is why I fell in love with him. Because yeah. one, it was so different from yep. mine. And two, I was like, if he can do that, yes. he can do anything. I agree. By the way, that's how I fell in love with this gray bearded man over here. Right? So <laughs> I oh, did no, too. Oh, no, now he's going to want to die. No, <laughs> no, which is what I do. It's why I finally shaved it. But, yeah. but I, I heard the story. And the yeah. reason you're on the show, you're amazing. Your story's amazing. And you're on the program, but the thing that drew me to you was this story, this part of the story, by the way, too. Yeah. And so tell them about your perfect upbringing. Let's hear about that. Yeah, so I was <laughs> born in uh, Bogota, Colombia, mm -hmm. and from when I was a little boy, mm -hmm. my parents would come to the U.S. for work, mm -hmm. and then finally, when I was six years old, they decided to bring my sister and I uh, mm -hmm. to the U.S. so we could have a better opportunity. Mm -hmm. And when I first came to the U.S., it was exactly how I saw in the movies. It was a total dream. Mm. My dad picked us up in this brand new 1984 green Mustang GT. I still remember it to today. <laughs> wow. Drove us to this amazing house out in Glendora, California. Mm. Had a great pool. And I remember thinking that day, man, I was just so happy. Like, we're here. Mm. And unfortunately, that didn't last too long. About two weeks after being in the U.S., our house gets raided uh, by law enforcement, and it's uh, for suspicion of drug trafficking. Mm. Uh, that day they arrested my mother and my dad. Mom gets acquitted after three months. Dad gets acquitted after eight months. Mm. But after that, our home would get raided once a year. And um, it's exactly like you see in the movies, probably worse. They come in and they just turn that house upside down. Mm. Uh, the three times that they raided, those first three times, my dad wasn't there, so I could just hear the helicopter looking for him. And I mm. just remember that sound to this day. And uh, mm. finally, on the fourth time, they did catch him. Mm. And uh, this time, they did put him away for a while. Mm. And uh, I was lucky enough to speak to him uh, before he left. And he said, uh, son, you need to be the man of the house now. Mm. And that was a big blow to me because my dad was, was my hero. How old were you, Edwin? I was 10. Okay. And even though I didn't know what he did, for a living, I just admired how he always took care of everyone. Yeah. And uh, he was always came through on his word mm. and uh, showed me a lot of love. So mm. it's a big blow. And so when he said, take care of the family, mm. you're the man of the house, that's something that stood with me. And then about two years after that, we ran out of money. Mm. So we were so broke that we had to move to uh, Southeast LA. It's a city called Huntington Park. Yeah. It's a city that borders Watts. Uh, yep. To give you an idea of where it is, 
and uh, we were so broke that we couldn't afford rent. So my mom had to rent out two of the rooms that we had. It was a three bedroom apartment. She rented out two rooms. My siblings and I and my mom stayed in one room. It was just us four. Mm-hmm. And then we had about eight other people living in the, uh, in the apartment. So it was very crammed. Mm-hmm. And I just remember roaches waking me up every night. Really? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was it, even though it wasn't the best upbringing, mm-hmm. um, my mom was, one thing I give her credit for is she always gave me love, always mm-hmm. would remind me, son, you have greatness in you. One day you're going to be really? something all the time. I mean, she reminded me every day. Mm-hmm. And then I just remember going to bed every night saying, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to make a hundred grand a year. Like I became obsessed with Whoa. the number 100 grand. It's just 100 grand a year, 100 grand <laughs> You don't a know year. why you picked that number, but that was a big number. So my, my sister was dating this car salesman. Okay. And uh, who she ended up marrying, unfortunately, got divorced. But he uh, was making about a hundred grand. Okay. And there he was the go. only successful person <laughs> I knew. So yeah. I'm like, worst comes to worst, I'm selling cars, but yeah. I'm making a hundred grand a year. Yeah. Period. Yeah. And uh, I was lucky enough to get a job at the age of 15, uh, mm. doing telemarketing, selling mm. long distance. And at that point, I was just so grateful to have a job yeah. and so fearful to lose it that I just worked my butt off. I sort of had a chip on my shoulder because I was the youngest guy they hired. Mm. And then by the time I was 16, I became uh, the manager, I mean, the supervisor of five people. At 16? At 16. Okay. By the time I became eight, by the time I was 18, Jeez. I became manager of, a, of 40 people. Um, and I started making about $1,000 a week. But more importantly, I uh, became the right hand of the VP of sales. Okay. And then fast forward to Three years after that, that same VP of sales comes into my office and he says, I'm going to resign and I'm going to go start this alarm company and I want you to come with me. Uh, and he says, um, I can't guarantee you the 60, 70 grand a year that you make here. This is back yeah. in 1999. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money back then for yeah. a 21 year yeah. old. And he says, but if you can make this work, you can possibly double, triple, quadruple your income. And I always tell people, a lot of my success comes from common sense mm-hmm. and drive. Yeah. And the first thing I thought was, well, this guy is making 250 grand a year. And he's risking, right? Yeah, and he's yep. risking, so yep. he must be pretty serious. Yep. Second thing I thought was, if he's willing to teach me how to start a company from the ground up, this is my shortcut to college, because I never went to college. Mm. In fact, I graduated with a 1.8 GPA, not something I'm very proud of. Yeah. But uh, unfortunately, schooling just wasn't my thing yep. at that back then. And then the third thing, I was always just a big dreamer. I was that kid that at 16 years old, I would ditch school and I would go to Rodeo Drive, I would window shop. Mm. And after that, I would go to the homes in Beverly Hills and I would say one day, I'm gonna be here. I love that, brother. Let's pause, let's stay on there for a minute. I wanna give the lessons, I wanna step back because there's so much in there and I want people that are driving their car right now that heard it and are like, oh, I want to go back for a second, okay? Yeah, yeah. I want you to understand what you just heard. You just heard that this boy comes here from a foreign country, his dream seems to be realized, immediately within a couple of weeks it's taken away, then he lives in anxiety for years as they're raiding his home. I want you to picture this, everyone, this little boy, okay? You see this grown man that's successful. I come from a family that there was some dysfunction in it, and I know the anxiety that a little dude like you felt. I can see it right now on you, okay? and I know what it's like to try to feel like you're the man of the house. We weren't ever really little boys after that point. Yeah. We were like men in men. little boys' bodies, right? Yeah, exactly. And so a lot of the people that are listening to this right now, you can relate to that. There's something in your family or your situation. Maybe you're a little boy or little girl watching this and it's happening to you. Or maybe you're someone like Edwin and I and you're a little bit grown and you didn't have that full childhood experience either, right? Both of us went through something like that. Then he loses his father to prison. And what connected with that is not only losing your father, but there's some shame, I'm sure, attached to that. And yeah. some, some stress attached to that. Gets a job as barely a teenager. Works his way up. I want you to hear all these things that he's telling you and chases this opportunity. These are the things that successful people do that unsuccessful people don't do. That's how you end up who the two of these people are. Edwin ends up, eventually, this leads to him starting his company, which is Skyline Security. Skyline Security, yeah. Uh, wh- there's a lot of ways to make millions of dollars, folks. So on social media, you're gonna see us all that are speakers or real estate or uh, the financial services business like myself. But let me just tell you something. There are lots of millionaires in businesses you might not think there are millionaires <laughs> from that have become very, very successful. These guys own a home 
right down the street from me. They've got another home they own that's spectacular up in the uh, 90210 zone <laughs> area, okay? So, and this didn't come from selling real estate or from the financial business or social media. It came from the security business. And yes. so, and so part of that is your your closing ability too. So, why did you get into that industry? Was that from this guy? Is that what le led you into the industry? Yeah, so obviously I had to make a calculus. I, I took a risk and then yeah. that risk was to go after my dreams. Everyone told me there's no way you're going to leave a $70,000 a year job at that young for the unknown. Yeah. But the few people I knew at the time, they they always said if you're going to make it big and you want to change the game, you got to put it all in. Mm. And I figured this was it for me. And I thought Worst comes to worst, I, I, at the time I lived in Southgate, which is a better, sort of an upgrade from where I live, but it was still only a mile away from Watts. So I said, worst comes to worst, if I fail, I end up in Watts. But if I make it, mm. I end up where I've always wanted to be. I end up in Hollywood Hills. Mm. And anyway, but more importantly, I wanted to take care of my mom. You know, her dream was always mm. to have a house. And the argument that I always heard my parents arguing about, my, my mom would say, why can't we buy a house? Well, my dad can never prove the income. So mm. my, not, my mom was never able to get her house. So okay. I'm like, the only way I'm gonna be able to take care of my mom is if I take this risk. So, and at the time it was, I'm not saying just take a risk and it's gonna happen, it was a calculated risk. Yeah, so we have an expert closer, sales trainer, scale of a business person here. Then we have somebody that I think is the other piece in business, which is accountability, right? And so you can't picture this from looking at this gorgeous woman, but this woman weighed, just tell them, what did you at one point like? Uh, I fluctuated throughout <coughs> my, from being an adult, uh, 200 pounds multiple times. Just, I just couldn't really get a handle on it. And I, I kept having excuses, hmm. you know? So first it was, I moved to LA, I don't know anybody, I have this job, I don't have any friends, and I'm just gonna eat away any of my worries. Yeah. And I gained a bunch of weight, and then it naturally, I, at not, you know, 20, it naturally fell off when I started riding again, yeah. and I kind of found myself again that way. But then after I had kids, it just wasn't happening. Like, right. I wasn't dropping the weight. I wasn't like the girls in the, you know, on the, on the TV, you know, yeah. the movie stars who yeah. six weeks after having a baby looked <laughs> better right. than they did before getting pregnant. And there was a big piece of the puzzle that was missing, and it was... I wasn't holding myself accountable for me. Mm. I was a good wife. Mm. I was a good mother. But mm. I wasn't taking care of myself. And once I realized oh, that I was good. missing that piece, and once I started holding myself accountable, I mean, I didn't even know what I was doing. I mean, he, yeah. he didn't even understand it at first. I just said, I'm going to open my own Instagram account. She and I, I was like, I'm going to just open it. It's, I'm going to name it something. And I'm going to post my workouts every single day. I'm gonna do that. Was this when you were heavier? This is when I was heavier. And I, and I posted, and it was me and my, my kids, and it was a selfie, and I just said, hi, I'm Teddy Mellencamp Ariave. Um, follow me if you're lost in your journey and you're trying to figure out what to do. I am trying to lose weight from having a baby and get in the best shape of my ah, life. I didn't know that. So let's see what yeah. happens. Okay. And then, you know, at, at this point, this was when we were in our hardest part of our, our marriage, I think. Because, we're going through some trouble times. Because he sure. would come home and I'd look to him for validation. Like, make me feel good for how good of a mom I am or whatever right. it is. But I had, I you know, my whole life I had either had a great job or, you know, I was riding horses. I had something to validate me. Yeah. And ju and having asking my kids and my husband to do that mm. isn't fair. Whoa. Okay. You know? So I had to find a purpose, mm. something I could do. And this was giving it to me. And, you know, at, at first it was the workouts, and then I realized, oh, wow, 80% of it's actually food. Yeah, yeah. And then once I tied the two together, I just had this huge transformation. And I, everybody saw it over the course of a year on the internet. Whoa. And so I got a huge, you know, it, at that point it was huge. 10,000 people were following me. That is huge. People were messaging me all the time. And then I started, I realized all my friends were like, what is going on? How is this happening? Like, yeah. we're watching it happen. I said, can I just use you as tests? Yeah. Like my, my four best girlfriends, that, my mom besties, I said, will you just do this program with me? I'm gonna just take you through an accountability program. You're gonna send me your morning weight, your workouts, and what you're eating for two weeks, and let's see what happens. Mm. And their transformations were incredible. Faster than mine because I was able to yeah. actually mm -hmm. respond, and I realized it was that human interaction, and that's how the business was born. That's crazy. So, 
What courage it took to post pictures of you not looking so hot in the beginning, though, right? Like, it, I mean, it was, and you know, it kind of got me to that place, which I share because it, it's it's where I was feeling my weakest. I had taken a picture with like five, all these same girlfriends, and it was yeah. right before I started. And there was this app called Facetune, and it's where you can manipulate how your body looks. Yeah. And I took a picture with all of them. And my first thought wasn't even to look at how we all looked. It was, mm. oh my gosh, I have to face tune myself mm. to make myself look thinner. God bless you. And I was like, that is, something is wrong here. Wow. And wow. it was in that moment that I was willing to not look at the bigger picture in this great moment we just had mm. to focus wow. on something That's... so superficial that I was like, I have to change something in me. That was the moment, that was the shift moment that for you? That was the shift moment. Okay. And then I realized, in doing this and making it my profession, everything in your life changes. Mm. Everything. When you feel good about yourself, yep. you ask for that raise. Yep. You require more from your wow. spouse. Yep. You're a better mom. You yep. feel proud. You feel you want to help others instead of drag them down. Oh man, I like. I, I, to me, it's like I saw a different person. She had life again. Yeah. And uh, I just fell in love with her again. That's that's no 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 that's yeah. amazing. That's one of my favorite things I've heard on the show right there. I'm gonna tell you right now because I think first off the courage of like, hey, I'm gonna take you on this journey with me, right? And to be that vulnerable, that honest, and see, I think like most businesses, like most successes, come down to what you talked about first, which is this dream, touching your dream, chasing it. Then I think you have to have the next piece. This is why you two just are awesome for me. <laughs> then you have to have this piece where you're like, let me admit where I really am. Yeah. Let's like, let's be totally real with myself. This is where I am, right? Mm -hmm. Like, this is what I look like, is what you just said. This is where I'm at. And I've lost my purpose. I've lost what I want. Then there has to be that catalyst moment. Then you have to have somebody you're accountable to. Oh, you yeah. have to have somebody you're accountable to. And we're gonna talk about that piece of your business in a minute. Like, you have to have that. And then I think the other thing you have to be able to do in business, you have to persuade. Yeah. Like, you're not on the show because you can't persuade people to either like you or buy the storyline or whatever it is, and you can't scale your business. I mean, it'd be great that you just want to have this dream and you're traveling Rodale yeah. Drive and you're accountable <laughs> and there's this transfer moment. You can have all of that in place, mm -hmm. but if you can't persuade people yeah. in almost every business now, you're going to lose, right? Exactly. So I think you're an expert on persuasion and on teaching persuasion. So how important has been closing, persuading people, belief, mm -hmm. transferring that for you and your business? So I want to start off by saying, so when I made the, when I quit the job, what most people don't know is that for the first 10 days, I didn't sell anything. And, and uh, mm. a lot of that had to do with um, me not learning the product. I, I, I was a little arrogant in that I did very well at the phone company yep. and I thought that would just transmit to success mm. at, at this new gig. Um, and it wasn't until I learned everything and I, I, I spent the time mm. uh, that I felt confidence because knowledge gives you confidence, fear, give, uh, ignorance gives you fear. Mm. So the first 10 days I didn't sell because I was scared. Every time I'd go to the door I was scared because I didn't know it was going to come out of my mouth because I was so scared of what, what I was going to say. But I think the real piece that made me successful was um, I had, so the first 10 days I was still working at the phone company. Okay. So I hadn't fully committed. So your necessity goes up, your urgency level picks up, right? Mm -hmm. So you sort of commit. So there's, I can give you examples. Um, when I first started, the first thing I, well, when I finally committed, I bought a van, even though I didn't have a team. Yeah. Well, that, I committed, brought my necessity level up. Now I went out there to recruit because I'm like, I just spent six grand on this freaking van. Yeah. I need to fill it up. Most people, what they do is they're like, I'm gonna get a team but they, I'll, I'll buy the van once I get the team. Yep. So the necessity level never goes up. Amen. Urgency doesn't go up, they Amen. never get the team. Fast forward to 10, not 10 years after, I say, I'm gonna go from six office employees to 50. I'm gonna grow this company from 250 a month to 1,000 a month. Yeah. I hired a CFO, 150 grand investment. I, in a year span, I uh, brought in 50 employees. Well, guess what? Now you better go get the sales better. to make sure you, you do it. And, I, and that's what I did. And then 2014, I bought a building, spent $2 million on it, spent another probably million with the decor. Mm. And now it's like, you got to fill this thing up. Yeah. But those commitments mm. brought my urgency level up, yeah, and it just brother. made me go. And then the gold, last one. Gold, gold, gold. <laughs> and okay. the last one I'll give you, which is my biggest one, 
uh, I started doing pretty well. And the first weekend I go to an open house, I fell in love with this house. I go back home. I tell my mom, mom, I'm going to buy you this home. I drove her. And I said, in 90 days, this house is yours. She starts crying. I start crying. And uh, my necessity level, again, picks up. There's no way I'm going to let my mom down. I just start thinking of her knocking doors. She used to knock doors and sell Stanley products. She wasn't very good at it, but yeah. that's what she did. She working for and, your family. And uh, she used to clean offices, man. And mm. she'd come home sweating because her car didn't have air conditioning. Her heart. And I remember the fights of her and my dad. Why can't yeah. we have a house? And I, I, there's no way I was going to let her down. Mm. So there was so many times that I wanted to quit mm. at eight o'clock. I didn't have a deal. You go six hours without getting a deal. Yeah. It's a long time. Yeah. But I would remember that vision that I had of her, mm. and it just gave me this extra energy to go. Oh, and bro. then, bam, I would land one at 10.30, mm. brought my confidence level up, Yeah, you know? And it, if I didn't have that goal that I was working for, I yes. would have quit at eight. Okay, stay there. Every entrepreneur listening to this, we just got into like the real, okay, like the real. This formula of your necessity, I never heard someone say it that way before. Your necessity level goes up, so does your urgency. Yeah. And then what you did, and you know you did this. It's like your life depends on it. You attack, like it, you need oxygen. Yeah, like you, you need, need it to breathe. Yeah. And you'd probably rather buy that house for your mom than you would breathe. And so the other thing you did, everyone talks a good game, but so I want to buy my mom a house. Go freaking tell your mom you're buying the house yeah. and yep. tell her when you're buying Come the house. Exactly. Now you're accountable to your mom and to yep. your word and you just shift it. Mm -hmm. It's almost impossible to lose when you do it, mm -hmm. but no one has the guts to take the risk to buy the van to then get the team, to buy the building to then fill it up, to go to mom and say, I'm buying you this house, both of you crying, loaded with this. Because here's the truth. People say, what do you win with in business, your head or your heart? Both. You have to have your head knowing the product. You got to know how to close. But the driving force is your heart. You, your why is always going to be other people or your dreams. Yep. What's my why? Who do you love and what's your dream? That'll pretty much distill down your why, yep. right? Yours was Rodeo Drive, the dreams. <laughs> yeah. But the way bigger one, dude, was my mom. is mom. Yeah. It's on your face when you freaking yeah. say it, right? Yeah. It's on your face when you say it. It's your mom. And the formula goes, first you got to become, yep. which is you declare. So the first thing I said is I'm a homeowner. Right, and you believe that you're a homeowner, and even though you don't have the money, yeah. you take action and you go to an open house. And then when you go to the open house, they give you a roadmap on how to get it. And then that's taking action. And then the last part is you have, and where this is the part people miss, when you have, you have to give it a date. Because if you don't give it a date, it just becomes a dream. But that date, you go after it like your life depends on it. Mm -hmm. Most people have it the opposite, which is have, let me wait till I have 20 grand, or now 80 grand, then I'll go take action and then I become a homeowner. Mm. It doesn't work that way. First you say, I'm not a freaking renter, mm. I'm a homeowner. Mm. And part of it is faith. For me, I always believed that God was with me. Yeah. You know, and, and that's why I took that action. My, all my friends were like, why are you gonna go look for a house, dude? You don't even, you just started your business. What makes you think that you can pay a house for 30 years? You don't because even you always knew you were worth it. Yeah. You and know, if you know you are worth it, yep. you will fight for your yeah. worth. And I'm glad you said that because I, I felt I like I was worth a hundred grand a year. Oh boy, this like, is good. It, it, it didn't matter <laughs> if I lost my business because no matter what I did at the time in 1999, I felt like I was worth a hundred grand a year. Bro, like I, I love felt it. it. That's what I was. No matter what I do, I know I can make a hundred grand a year. That's back in '99, obviously. I love it. But let me ask you a question: How how important is faith to the two of you? It's huge, you know, before before we went on the show, you know, obviously the first thing that came to me was, was fear, because fear of the unknown, mm. the discomfort of the unknown. Mm. And I just, to this day, I remember we prayed about it and we thought this is God putting this opportunity for us uh, to show our faith and, and give him glory uh, for mm. everything that he's done. Did you, in are our you life. listening, everybody? Are you uh, listening? And it was, there was just this peace about it. Like I knew everything was going to be okay. Mm. Everyone told me not to do this show. Tell your wife not to do this show. You shouldn't do it. Your life's going to be and over. And he, he would gonna... worry a little bit. And yeah. I was like, I felt from day one, no, we'll be fine. You told me off camera along those same lines that you've learned even through doing the show to trust. The Bible talks a lot about the power of discernment. I have this theory that women have a little bit more discernment than men. It's probably a sexist thing yeah. of mine. <laughs> but you also just known to kind of trust your heart in your life, haven't you? I think that 
your first gut instinct mm. is is right. Mm. There's a reason your body is telling you to feel a certain way. Wow. And I I looked at him and I said, this is going to be hard. We're going to we're going to go through some ups and downs and you're going to see we're going to see it. We're going to have to watch it back. Yeah. But I'm telling you, this is right. Mm. Because And the only thing that I ask of you, the only thing I ask of you, which is like what I prayed about and why mm. we, you know, what we've talked to our kids about is we have to just be ourselves. Yeah, yeah. The good, the bad, and the ugly, we have to be ourselves yep. because the second that we try to be somebody that we're not, yep. we will fail. Yep. And yep. we have to practice what we preach. Yep. And, you know, I put on social media, I mean, as much as it, but like I, with our worship songs or whatever it is. I love and, it. You know, I'll get a hundred DMs of people. Why would you post that? We right. don't, don't put your religion on us. Yeah. But then I get thousands, thousands. of people saying, yep. thank you for yep. shedding light to this. Yeah. You don't have to be perfect yep. and still have faith. Yeah. We're yep. not perfect people. I mean, We're, we met on a one night stand. Right. But you know what? God's not judgmental. That's right. I just think you handle yourself elegantly. Thank you. In other words, I think you represent yourself. I got chills right there. <laughs> I think you represent yourselves and your faith and your children. Um, in an elegant first-class way in some very uncomfortable situations and I want to encourage you to both continue to do that because I think that's I find myself rooting for you Thank meaning you. that I want more of you I want you to return I want examples like you when you watch that show or any show that's on the real whatever's and we have other friends on other shows and some of them have worked so hard to get where they are the stories are unbelievable there's guys on your show that you know you and I both know that work super hard yeah but when you learn this story, like this one, you're like, I'm rooting for this dude, I'm rooting <laughs> for this woman, because they are you in many ways. And I'm curious, let's help people a little more. Let's just dig a little bit deeper, okay? And I wanna ask you about accountability a little bit. By the way, wouldn't it be cool to be held accountable by you right now? You're, you're gonna have to scale that business, by the way, because it can't I mean, all be you. I, yeah, have, right? I mean, I have, I have 18 coaches now that work for me. Um, Do you really have that many? Wow. But every, my rule is if you're gonna work for me, you have to go through the program. Yeah. So, they're all, so we can only grow as fast as mm. people are graduating. Wow, okay. And they have to be people that I believe actually fully have changed their life. I don't, I am not one of those people that is, if I'm in a bad mood, you're gonna know I'm in a bad mood. Yep. I'm not gonna be like, yeah, I'm yeah. the best kid right. ever. Right. No, right. it's not right. gonna happen. I want you to be authentic to who you are, but I also want you to practice what you preach. If you say work out, if you, you better be working out. Yeah. Like there's, Do you do the tough love thing? Are you pretty hard on them? I read my, each client for what they need. Yep. You know, some people, can't take it at first. Yes, that's right. And they'll blame you, but every Tuesday I send a message to, I, you know, every morning I send a text to everybody, but every Tuesday I say, hey everyone, we, I know we all respond best to high fives and thumbs ups, yes. but let's remember why you joined this program. Mm. You hired us to hold you accountable. Mm. It's not our fault mm. if you want to fail. Yeah. It's not our fault when we text you and say, hey, you right. said you were working out at three, I didn't get that picture of the workout. Yep. You coming at us and attacking us, yeah. that's you. Yeah. I want you to remember that. Mm. And the way you speak to your coach is how you're gonna treat your whole life. So true. So you remember this Tuesday because come Thursday, if I see that tone to your coach, you're out. I love it. You are out. I, I, I watched this thing on the show, Teddy, you're like, hey, what's an accountability coach? And I'm like, well, that's just everybody in every business who ever helps anyone yeah. is an accountability coach, You're right? the friend that doesn't BS. You got it. So you say, I'm gonna do this at six o'clock. Yeah. I'm gonna text you at six and be like, hey, did yeah. it happen yet? Yes. And you're gonna say, I'm tired. And I'm gonna go, okay, well then you're out of the program. When you have skin in the game, yes. mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how rich you are. It doesn't yeah. matter if I charge you $5. Yep. If you're 100% all in, yeah. if you're committed, you're gonna have a 100% success rate. Yep, I agree There's, with that. You cannot lose. Yeah, and you gotta have somebody that you yeah. account to, or that like, even for Actually, me. you can do it yourself. It, right, and if for me, I'm always trying to find someone else to account to. Now I call them mentors now, but I'm always, I know you're doing this. One of the reasons you're here. Like, yeah. I'm not stupid, right? Like, <laughs> like I yeah. wanna meet my let, and like maybe me yeah. and him can have a deal, right? Of course. And because I'm doing that too in my way. It's like, if, I, if I've met certain guys, like I, I wanna know what they know. Mm -hmm. I wanna think like they think. When yeah. I say guys, I mean people men and women and I I want 
them to know I'm doing the things I say and I'm authentic, right? I'm yeah. congruent. So right. I, I'm accountable to my friends. Like, we're going to dinner after this. You're going to meet a couple of my buddies, right? Yeah. Like, they know stuff I'm working on. Yeah. One of the first things they're going to ask me is, hey, how's what, whatever going on? I'm going to yeah. account to them, right? right. Like, yeah. there's a part of that. It, I think about that when I'm not doing stuff or I am doing stuff. So I 100% advocate. I think the two of you are a very unique couple because you have the total accountability piece, you have the total persuasions piece, and then you've come together. Go ahead. Something you mentioned just resonated. So I've always said life is a game. Yep. And you got to play to win. Mm. Life consists of three things. It consists of purposes, problems, and freedom. Love this. Right? Yep. Uh, you can't have one out of the three or two out of the three. It's got to be a balance of all three. The first thing you have to understand is life is filled with problems and they're going to come at you. And as long as you understand that, when a problem comes, it's no longer a big deal because you realize that is life. Second thing you got to understand is purposes come with problems. <laughs> and our job in life is to solve those problems. And when we solve those problems, we feel accomplished and then we get freedom to celebrate, to rejoice, and to feel accomplished. Mm. However, that freedom is temporary. There's this false, uh, falsely, falsely belief mm. that our end goal is to have endless freedom. And that's the worst thing you can have because <laughs> if you have endless freedom, you're no longer producing and you're no longer um, uh, productive, right? So you're not happy. So what happens is you'll get bored, yep. you'll start feeling lethargic, you'll uh, eventually end up sort of depressed. Yes. So for me, so the, the key is once you find your, pur once, you f once you have your purpose, you solve it and you have that freedom, it's restricted because then you have to find a new purpose. You have to find right. a new game. Yes. If you stay playing the same game, you're going to be bored. Yes. So an example of that for me was when I first started in 1999, my purpose, one of my purposes, was to be the number one authorized dealer for the program that I was with. Mm -hmm. Within three years, I made it. And then after that, I stayed as the number one authorized dealer, but I didn't grow. Yes. So and you met me. Yeah, Boom. that is true. There it is. Um, so nothing ever stays the same You're in life. Right, it's baby. either getting better or it's getting worse. <laughs> so nothing true. stays the same. Yes. So because I wasn't trying to get better, I started to decline, yep. but then, because I didn't have a new game, yep. I started to get bored. Yep. And because I started to get bored, I started to not want to be in the alarm industry. And I would focus on other things and try to invest in other businesses, and I'd lose my butt off. Finally, because of this one, she says to me one day, she's like, hey, I see you investing in things, and I see you keep losing money. Why don't you ever invest in the one thing that you do know about, which is the alarm industry? And it hit me like a ton of bricks, because I'm like, you know what? she is right and then i had to confront the fact of do i really want to do this or not yes and when i finally made a decision that this is what i wanted to do for the rest of my life and i want to make a career in this industry then the, the game started again and the game went i don't want to do 250 accounts a month i want to do a thousand i don't want to be in one state i want to be in 10 states yeah. i don't want to have just six office employees i want to have 50. and then that came with a bunch of problems the bigger the goal, purpose, the bigger the problems. You solve it, you feel accomplished, boom, what's my next purpose? What's my next purpose? And that happens to you in all parts of my life. I call my, my four pillars, which is I got my uh, spiritual, I got my family, I got my business, and I got my body and mind. You could be great in business, and you could be accomplishing, 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 you could be here, but if in your personal life, yep. If that thing, if you stop working on your marriage, right? Again, nothing stays the same. It yes. either gets worse or better. So if you stop working on it, it's going to get worse. Mm. And if that crumbles, that could bring down everything. So true, brother. Right? Yep. Uh, for me, another example, the one thing I wasn't working on was my mind. Mm. So for 19 years, I did not do any personal development. You can work on yourself. And what happens is when you don't do something for a long time, you start to dislike it. Yep. Up until this year, I hated podcasts, mm. I hated books, Up in, I hated study, even mm. in high school I hated it. Mm. And this year I was like, I started, began, I started beginning to doubt. Yes. I got my company to a certain level, yep. and, and then happy. the doubt started, you're not good enough, you're not yeah. smart enough, 
you're not going to be able to influence people because you're getting to a point where your own employees are probably smarter than you. And then I was just like, I know that's a lie. Let me attack what I've been procrastinating on. Mm. Right? The reason you worry about things is because you're procrastinating on things. You're not mm. attacking it. You're not tackling it. Mm. And finally, I was just like, screw it. I'm going to make some time. Good, baby. And now, since February, I put an hour of study. The same way I work on my fitness. Podcast, books, whatever. Everything yeah. for an hour. I don't miss it. Yep. I've been on fire since then. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting. Can I say something about yeah. that? I want to jump in on that. I, you know, you know that I coach a lot of athletes and stuff. There was someone here yesterday. Yeah. I won't say who it was, but they're one of the top people in the athlete space. And I asked her, I said, okay, it's great you're doing what you're doing, and now what's next? And she went blank, and she goes, this is what I'm struggling with constantly. I don't know what's next. Mm -hmm. And I said, let me just be very clear with you. This isn't going to stay the way it is. So if you don't grow it, it's going to start to die. Exactly, exactly. what you just yeah. said. <laughs> and I said, and here's your issue. And this is the thing for you, too. This is what you changed. I said, babe, here's your deal. You've not changed your identity. Your results have started to exceed your identity. You've started to produce results outside of your identity. Your identity yes. is this thermostat sitting on the wall in that room, and you are going to start to unconsciously cool it back down. That's starting to invest in crap you know nothing about. Starting, starting to, to spend that. money. Yeah. Starting to get bored. And you don't know you're doing it, but what you do is you just unconsciously cool life back to right where you are comfortable because you're only going to get out of life this identity. It's the most powerful force in the world is yeah. to be consistent with your worth and the ideas you hold about yourself. You will somehow cool this bad boy back down. Yeah. So but you're also, exactly right. in Thank regards you. to what you were saying about her yesterday, yep. she's at the beginning because she just said she was vulnerable to you. you and that's how she's able to get help. Yes. If you're not vulnerable and you can't ever talk about what you're struggling with, yes. you can't grow. Yes. If he never came to me and he was just venting. I know nothing about the alarm business yeah. and home security. I know nothing. Yeah. He was just venting. Yeah. I was like, if I don't you know how I want to do this anymore. Yeah. And I was people. making great money. Yes. Yeah. But, but I was it, just bored. You're ready to blow your life up because you exceeded your identity is what yeah. you were going to no, do. No, I mean, even something in my business, I could just casually mention it to him and he'll be like, oh, well, I know so-and-so and blah, blah, blah. And it's just effortless. Yeah. But if you, if you stay inside of yourself, and you only inter internalize every single feeling, wow. you can't grow, Whoa. even if you're trying super hard. That's so good. That is so good. And you know, the other, oh man, this is good. <laughs> and the, uh, the other thing that I see with entrepreneurs that you have is they're aware. And so yeah. some of their awareness may not come from themselves, it comes from their spouse. They're like, hey, wake up, dude. Like, hey, I kind of see you good at this uh, security thing. Shouldn't we kind of grow that thing you know, right? Yeah. So their awareness level. Man, I, there's so many things to cover, and we're like, you know, time-wise. <laughs> but let me ask you a question about the two of you. Let's yeah. get real for a minute. What's the thing that's in your marriage, what's the hard part? Right now, you got more fame, you're on TV, you're growing this business. Mm -hmm. What's the hard part? We know the good part. What's the hard part? Well, one, <laughs> one of the things that she's been very, very supportive with uh, the last three years is I'm still working a lot of hours and it's that balance right and for a long time she used to get on me like you need to be home by 530 mm -hmm. so you can spend time with the kids everyone's relating go right yeah. now and everyone's she was relating. Like, I would ride him yeah. like she'd it was be like calling me and, and then you know it sort of takes away because you then you start feeling bad the right? very person you're doing it for yeah. but, but and then, then right. he comes home and I'm mad at him anyway because it's 545 yeah. <laughs> you know so then I have a conversation when I said uh, baby, for even though I'm here at six o'clock, mm. I'm not present because I'm thinking of all the things that I haven't done. So but and then we so learned to compromise. And then we negotiated. We negotiated. Yeah. I said, okay, here, you come as long as you're home by the time I put the kids to sleep. So you're home by 7:30. You kiss them good night. So yeah. Saturday and Sundays, it's us. It's either we're doing a date, which we do day dates, not night date, not night dates, good. because day dates we don't dread. We were realizing we were going out at night. We dreaded it. We'd be, we'd, we'd spend be all day with the kids. Are you dreading going out with me tonight? No, because <laughs> we're, the, we have this, you know, momentum. Right. Right. But normally, you're spending a full Saturday with your kids, and at 7.30, a babysitter comes. You have to get ready. You go out to dinner, and then you're like, hey. <laughs> right, it's true. <laughs> so we switched it. So yep. we were like, okay, we're instead of getting a babysitter Saturday night, we're going to get one Saturday morning. We're going to work out together, do our favorite class, cool. compete at it, like where cool. we kind of push each other. Have, go to brunch, maybe have a mimosa, laugh, have fun, then go home and be good parents. Good idea. 
Yeah. But like that shift. Wow, what a, what a killer one, tip. But like once we made the shift where I was like, listen, Monday through Friday, I will not bug you once. Mm. But if you come to me and you tell me you're going to Vegas for the weekend with mm. your friends, mm. not happening. it's not happening. Yeah. So there was a dollar. I spent 16 hours. So and, and my thing is like, okay, I can't spend the two hours a day with them on the weekday, but if I can make up 16 hours and be present, yep. Yep. because I know I took care of everything at work. Well, it sounds so funny, everybody, I just want to say this. I've said this before, but I love that you talked about this, though. You didn't argue about, like, this is my position, this is yours. That's why we have couple on, right? Yeah. It's like, hey, let's meet somewhere on this, which but, I mean, you did. It took us, I'm not going to lie, it yeah. took us a while to get there. I sure. mean, it took to the so point Saturdays, where... I want to go play ball for four hours. And, yeah. I, and was, I had so much resentment, but it wasn't until I found what made me happy with inside, inside of myself mm. where I was able to communicate my needs. Well, so I don't want to feel like I'm having to ask you to be with us. Yeah, yep. That feels gross to me. Yep, you're right. And but and on the other side of it, so on the side of the driver's side, you're both drivers, but on this driver's side, this sounds odd, but it's okay. So I want to say this because you said you don't want to feel obligated. Some of the people, could be the woman that's the one that's out longer, not the man. You need to make these appointments with your family. Yeah. And it, yeah. may, it may sound contrived, but to them, now you're present. Mm -hmm. It's better to be present with them when you're with, with them, them, as you yeah. said. And for me, that means it's an appointment. You've made an appointment with Teddy, an appointment with your family for Saturdays and Sundays. Yeah. And that may seem like cool and disconnected, but what it really is is you're saying they're my highest priority and that's why I'm scheduling them. So scheduling an appointment with your family isn't cold. Yeah. No, it's, it's love. commitment. It's love, it's love and commitment. And commitment. Yeah. Like we in, at five in the morning, we get up mm. and we talk about our days. We have our thing because I know that I'm a morning person. He's a morning person. But like he comes home and he's tired. I'm tired. We both worked. I've put the kids to bed. And like we're not going to have that moment. Yeah, I love the so, daytime date. Tip, yeah, by in the early way. morning. That. We that, go that was over a game our changer weeks. for us. That's yeah. so complete, cool. Complete game changer. Okay, so that was the issue. Was the time management piece, which I knew because we had talked off camera and the fact that all achiever couples struggle with this one topic it's the balance and by the way there's no balance necessarily but you should seek it like balance is boredom there's right. something beautiful about one area of your life spiking and fixing the other area that i want to yeah. acknowledge you have this that thing goes, that goes again it, it, problems solutions right that, that keeps it exciting you've got to right? tell them about the become an action piece that you teach can yeah. you tell them about this? Just I don't want to leave today without them hearing this piece that you also teach. Yeah, so I'll give you uh, an, another good story yeah. for those of you that love sports cars. Yeah. Uh, in 2006, I made a decision that I wanted to buy a Lamborghini. Yeah. Right? I didn't have the money for it. Mm -hmm. I go to the dealership, and I realize that it's $300,000. a lot of money. And then I realize that by the time you finance it, it's about $500,000. So there's, like, there's no way I'm going to drop yeah. 500 grand on this car. And then I thought, I gotta buy it cash. So I gave myself a two-year uh, commitment. Mm -hmm. I was gonna have it by my 32nd birthday. Okay. I, um, and because I felt bad about it, I couldn't use my, the income that was coming in. I needed to find a, a new source of income. Okay. So I went, by now I had, uh, I had my business for seven years. I wasn't knocking on doors anymore. I already had a team. Mm -hmm. So I decided to go back and start knocking on doors. Doing and the ugly. Doing the ugly. Yep. So I'd get off at work at six, and from six to ten, I would I would go knock doors, and okay. I'd save money. So a year and ten months pass. This is after you're an achiever, after you're yeah. successful, yeah, we after you got together. a team. Yeah. You went back and did it. A year and ten months into it, I'm knocking doors. I save about hundred fifty-five thousand, and I remember looking at the money and saying, "Damn, I only got two more months to save another hundred forty-five." And the first thing I thought was, well, that seems a little impossible. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I know what I can control, which mm -hmm. is I can keep knocking, and I'm going to just push to the end. And I know I'm going to come through because I always come through, and God will put the right people in front of me to make this happen, but I am not going to say I can't. Mm. So I get a call two weeks later, and it's my broker, and he says to me, hey, I found your car, and he describes it to me. And I said, hey, well, I don't have the money yet. And he says, well, that's why I'm calling you. Uh, the guy that wants to sell it has four Lamborghinis. He just bought one for his wife. His wife doesn't want to drive it because she's pregnant. And he wants to sell it for 150 And I was like, what? Mm. And uh, the next day, I go to the bank with him. I write a check for 150 He writes a check for 110 Pays it off. To get rid of it. Bank gives me, you know, the, the, the pink slip. 
But the point of the story is, I'm a big believer in be careful with what you declare with your tongue. If I would have said, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. You wouldn't have. I would have never gotten that call, mm. right? I'm also a big believer that when you're going after your dream, you're going to get a big problem right before you're going to get your blessing. And it's mm. going to freaking knock you to the ground, right? And at that point, are you going to get up and just smash that wall and continue to go through? Mm. Or are you going to go back to the person that you were and, and quit? Mm. And I've always just focused on the things that I can control. Mm. And I just kept going. And mm. I think that's when God gives you that blessing. I, because that's where faith comes I, in. Bro. And mm. bro. the point that what I always tell people is no matter how impossible something seems, mm. control what you could control and mm. just believe that God will put the right people in front of you mm. to make the impossible possible and it's happening along to me. with believing in yourself you yeah gotta you gotta believe, believe in, in yourself, yourself right so you gotta yeah so believe so part of believing in myself was you know i think of i didn't mention this earlier but one of the great things that my mom did is she had me playing sports at a young age yeah and that taught me how to compete that taught me how to deal with adversity that taught me to i i didn't want to sit on the bench i'm like no matter what i'm going to be a first stringer <laughs> and even though i didn't have the talent i yeah. somehow ended up as first string and all these little uh, yep. results yep. build confidence. Yep. And you do something over and over and over, you start yep. believing in yourself, yep. right? And I started believing in myself. I started believing it's because God's always with me. Yep. And um, bro, so and, and that's 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 huge. You know what's but again, so that's declaring, yep. I'm gonna have a Lamborghini. Yep. Even though I don't have the money, because you believe it, you yep. still go to the dealership yep. and still you take action. Yep. And then you give yourself a date on when you're gonna do a buy. Yep. And you know, part of that, again, is um, you're committing, right? You're yeah. saying it comes with problems. So my purpose, I get the Lamborghini, yeah. I want a Lamborghini, here comes these problems. Well, how are you going to afford it? Mm -hmm. uh, you got to find new income because yeah. you can't just use your income now. Mm -hmm. These are problems that I had to solve. So I'm not into, I love material things, yeah. but it's not to show off. It's what they represent. You got it. Right? 100%. It's, it's, it's um, I think we desire to achieve and accomplish. Yeah. The more money you make, yeah. and the, as, you, as you become successful, it's not what you buy that uh, gives you joy. It's the accomplishment. It's the reasons of how. Yeah. How you did it. How you it's, did it. It's who you're becoming. Right. It's who you're becoming yeah, to exactly. attract those things into your life. And I got to tell you, you're sitting here, Edwin. And uh, Terrell Owens sat right up there. Marshall <laughs> Fox sat right up there. Dominic Cruz yeah. sat in there. Yeah. Paige Hathaway sat up there. They, yeah. We could name the people, right? Yeah. Uh, Robert O'Neill sat in there, the, the man who killed Osama bin Laden. We could go through whoever you want. There's a common thread, man. They just have the heart of a champion. They'll yeah. do the unique things. You got to a high level. You were kicking butt. You were making a bunch of money. And you went back and did the grind of the things that got you there in the first place. Yeah. The beauty of what you just said, though, is that right before your blessing, a major problem is going to hit Always. you. And that Always. is something that is so powerful for people to hear, brother, because they don't know that. They don't get it. This problem, they think this problem is a sign from above that it's not meant to be. And in, in fact, it's the reverse. That major adver adversity, adversity that the adversary sent you yep. is actually an indication it's on the other side. Yeah. There's this great parable in the Bible, the parable, parable of the sower, as you know, mm -hmm. because Teddy said something really important. You still need to do the work. Yeah. You still need to believe in yourself. Yeah. Parable yeah. of the sower is, it's both of you. You're planting these seeds, right? And the wind's gonna get some, the rain's gonna get some, the birds are gonna get some. Yeah. But the Lord eventually provides a harvest if you'll have the faith to keep plowing the field, to keep planting yeah. the seeds, right? And that's yeah. exactly what and, you've just described. And the thing that you didn't even mention, when you went back to the field and started knocking doors again, I don't even know if you consciously thought about it. At that time, you realized you need to redo your pitch. Yeah. You realize that the, the what you were giving your your door knockers could be updated. Yeah. You changed your sales training, force. Yeah. You changed everything. Mm. And you I wouldn't have known that, that mm. if you didn't go do it yourself. Yeah. Right. And realize, okay, this is a little dated. I could update this. I needed to say this. I needed to do this. And I mean, that's when everything transitioned. 
Yeah. I got to tell you, it's almost like God sent you two to me because I'm thinking of my own business. It's rare in my podcast that I'm thinking of my own business. Everything you're saying applies. There's people here from my business today. And everything you're saying applies so specifically and perfectly to my business. It's unreal, which means I know it's true. (laughs) Just so you know, right? Because I've lived these things. And so, like, just amazing stuff. So we're we're out of time, but I want to ask you a couple more things. Like, I've thoroughly enjoyed this, and I love that you only see the surface in a 30-minute or an hour-long show on television. We've done a real deep dive into the two of you. And we only just scratched the surface, obviously. But, Teddy, for you, there's people out there that want to make a transformation, okay, in their life. They want to lose weight. They want to find their dream relationship. They want to make the relationship they're in better. They've got some achievement they want to have. They want to live oceanfront somewhere. They want to pay, buy their mom a house, whatever it is. What advice would you give somebody out there is just, I'm a regular person like you, Teddy. I want to make my dream happen. And if I was at lunch with you, we were having this glass of wine together, you'd say, hey, girl or dude, this is what i tell you. What would you say? Uh, My my first piece of advice is don't sit in your discomfort. Don't Mm. sit in it. Force yourself to change something. It could be anything, a small thing. Force yourself, say, I'm gonna go on a walk for 30 minutes a day, or I'm gonna send these emails, or even if you don't know why you're doing it, do change something. Mm. Be open, Mm. ask for help, show your weakness, because people confuse weakness, and this is something I've learned on the show, you know, I cried on the show, and everybody's like, don't cry, you should rise up, and for me, I wasn't embarrassed that I cried. Mm. I was proud. Yeah. I have feelings and I have emotion. If you hurt me, I'll cry. Mm. But I'll learn my lesson. Yeah. But I think it's okay to have feelings. Mm. If you think that you have to be a certain way all of the time mm. to show face, you're never going to grow. Wow. So no matter what it is, if it's in business, if it's in weight loss, if it's in parenting, seek help. Ask questions. Change something. Don't just sit there and feel like a victim. Whew. Because if you're a victim, you're always a victim. Wow. I'm like, I, <laughs> I'm looking around like our camera dudes are like, whoa, right? Like I, I knew today was gonna be good, yeah. but I did not, like I have notes here, right? Like I didn't know all this was gonna come my own way. And like, awesome. just for me, cause I, you know, interview a lot of people and you know, everything's gone okay for me so far. Yeah. And um, I learned things today. Like you say things differently than I'd say it. and. Even for me, to see the success you both had and to have it reinforced like, nah, there's a real mindset behind this. There's real things that have happened. And um, like, I like the two of you Thank too. You. Like I'm excited about our friendship and... Um, Can I say one last thing? Please. I think a, a big thing that's been confused on the show, you know, people say she's John Mellencamp's daughter. Yeah. Um, so, she, you know, she, she grew up this way. She should feel this way, blah, blah, blah. Why is she trying to pretend she doesn't care about materialistic oh. things? Or why, mm. why is this happening? Something that I want to say is because of the way I was brought up with my mom, with my dad, whether who I was with, yes, we had nice things, but we didn't talk about it. We didn't focus on it. It was something they worked for. Yeah. And I knew that. And mm. I knew it was something that I would be given. Mm-hmm. And we're giving it. You've worked for your piece of it. So I think that's what everybody kind of, regardless of your upbringing, his upbringing, my upbringing, as long as you are given, you give yourself the tools to know that you can continue to work on yourself and be better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. I'm really glad you said that because the truth of the matter is, is that I know the two of you and I know that like it's not somebody you inherited all this stuff. Like you all have worked for all of this, right? And, Mm -hmm. And the fact that you had some good examples in your life is totally wonderful. Then you met this beast of a dude, right? Like, <laughs> that, you know, it's, I, I love that champions show up just different, man. I meet mm-hmm. some champions that were raised in a really comfortable middle-class environment, right? Mm-hmm. I meet other ones that their dad went away for some time because yeah. they committed a crime. It's like, but they all have these common threads. Yeah. And I love that each program, a little other piece of the puzzle is revealed to me. Yeah. And you revealed more of the pieces today, brother. Like, and, and like, I keep picturing this little boy when I look at you. Like, it's happened to me now, and I'm proud of you. That's you. how I feel you when know? I, like, I that's, why, that's why I fell for him, you know? Yeah, I could see that. And uh, it's not the gray beard, that's for damn sure. It's, there's a whole <laughs> lot more than that. I really, really, really enjoyed today. Sunday. And I just have a feeling it's the beginning of a great friendship. I really, Thank really you. do. So well, I know you all feel this way, too. Thank you. Thank Edwin. you for Thank having you. us. Thank Thanks you, Teddy. And everybody, um, I want you to do me a favor, and I want you to follow 
both of these folks. And so, Edwin, where can they find you so they can follow you and stay connected to you? So, at Ted Winator and so at Join Skyline. So, at first, we used to share yeah. our Instagram. Because well, so I don't think a man should have their own Instagram. You don't? We, no. You don't think a man should have their own Instagram? Nope. Okay, the whole interview's deleted now. <laughs> We're not doing the entire interview. Why can a man not have their Instagram? Well, they can have it, but it needs to be, we share it. <laughs> I had an old MySpace account okay. where... Okay, that shows it, why it, your beard's it, great. It, it you have was, a MySpace uh, account. I was Just pretty so popular, you know. I think. Yeah, I'm sure you were big time on MySpace. That's I was big pretty big time on MySpace. But anyway... <laughs> he was all proud. He was like, I was MySpace man of the year. And man, I was man like, of the week. Man of the week. Man of the week. Man of the week. But at that point, I'm like... We'll have a shared Instagram. You, okay. It'll be yours. So how did you break that? Like, I'm curious. No, how did you get the Ted Winator? Part well, of negotiating for many Teddy years. Teddy and Edwin. Okay. That's no, so, Ted Winator. Oh. So Ted Win. But Ted, somebody took Ted Win. So we went with Ted Winator. Ah. <laughs> and then... Um, now they're going to really remember finally, this, Finally, after, you know, four years of begging, Okay. she finally said, all right, you can have it. It's kind of your I, account. I've yeah, watched it. It's so my I account now. Okay, so I'm Ted, like, it's our family account. Ted Winator. And there's a lot of family stuff on there. <laughs> Okay, so they find you at Ted Winator. What's the other one? Uh, at Join Skyline. Okay, Join yeah. Skyline. They get recruited to become a part of your firm. Yeah. Okay, and it's, in your case, we're since you're... like crazy, so we're looking for managers. Go get it. And in your case, you're a female, so you're allowed to have your own Instagram account. Right, but he could... I mean, we could... You want to share? <laughs> How do they find your... Hers is blowing up already. She's, you know, yeah. but uh, go ahead. At Teddy Mellencamp. Okay, at Teddy Mellencamp. So you can find both of them. You know where to find me because you're already <laughs> watching this. Here's all I ask with me is that I bring you these incredible people. I bring you people who are maxing out their lives in some area. These folks are maxing out multiple areas. And I bring that to you for free. All I ask in return is that more people around the world see this because the more it moves up the rankings, the more impact this makes for other people in their lives. So if you're on iTunes, please write a review. Please share the podcast. If it's YouTube, like it or comment or say something nice to me on YouTube. And remember on Instagram, everybody, Max out drill every day, two minute drill. First two minutes after I make a post, everybody makes a comment. You win something in a drawing every single day. We draw somebody, it could be gear, coaching call with me, an introduction to one of my guests as a surprise, or something like that. So, Edwin and Teddy, thank you for today. Awesome. Thank Great you. Time. Thanks. We had a blast. I know, we really did. Yeah, this was, was so, awesome. so damn good. Yeah. And everybody out there, max out your lives and God bless you.